Hello, everybody. It's good to see you. Um, let's start with a prayer. God, we just want to thank you for this time, and we ask that you would be with us now as we open up the book of Ephesians. Lord, won't you give us revelation, and won't you give us, Lord God, wisdom, as, uh, as Paul prayed. And I pray, God, that you would just open up our eyes to see the wonder, the majesty of who you are, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we've been looking at uh, Ephesians, and it is under the whole premise and umbrella of who is the church. And that's important because um, Ephesians, I feel like, is one of, one of the books that uh, we talked about last week. We can tell th- this book really has so much rich and wondrous information, treasures. And last week we talked about um, that long, breathless prayer that Paul did. It was beautiful. It was in one breath, he would just say this beautiful prayer. In fact, um, it was 202 words. I didn't mention it last week, but it was 202 words he put in uh, a sentence just to praise God. And it was so beautiful, so climactic almost. How do you follow that? You know, anytime you want to start a song, you don't start with a climax. You build up to it, right? But if you start off loud, like in any normal song, like we sang songs today like Stronger or Blessed Be Your Name, you start off like mezzo piano or piano. You don't start off fortissimo because there's nowhere nowhere to go. And then you hear this praise from Paul. It was wondrous. It was amazing. It was almost climactic. It was like, how do you get better than that? Can you? And he does with this prayer, which we'll find today. And um, I just want to kind of prep that because last week we talked about this God-centered praise. And uh, I did say the three, the three words to help us remember, ara, like if, if you're a Japanese, speaker, ara, and then you open up and then you take out another gold nugget, um, another piece of treasure. And so it would be adoption, redemption, and assurance. And this week... We want to talk about the second part of the first chapter of Ephesians. And next week, we're going, to t- we're going to start chapter 2. And I'm very happy to say Pastor Esther will be preaching next week on the first chapter, I mean the second chapter. And so I'm very excited to, have, to hear what she uh, will preach on. Um, and so thank you. Uh, but how can we follow that? You know, how can you follow that? Paul follows it up with a prayer because to Paul this prayer was so important that we pray for the church that we pray of the church and about the church a lot of people think church is just coming to a service or you know you come and get your needs met oh I was hungry now I'm filled but if you look at this prayer about the church it's so much more than just coming to a Sunday service or coming to a place where you feel like, oh, now, now I feel good, I feel good, and then you walk away until next time. And so it's important that we see this, and that we go through this, and then we see what Paul is trying to bring out. And verses 15 to 16, he starts off this prayer with thanksgiving. This is so important. 
we start off any prayer with thanksgiving. Why is it so important? Because when we are not thankful, don't you see that we are critical? We are, in today's language, haters. We're haters, and we just hate on all things, and we are not thankful for the things that we've been given, that we see. And you see, Paul, even though he could have started off by nitpicking and say, you know what, I like this about you, but I don't like this about you. I like this church kind of, but I don't like this about this church. I don't like this about this church. This church has these faults. He could have said that about the Corinthians because the Corinthians are all over the place. But even in Corinthians, you see Paul is saying, I'm so thankful for you. Why is that? Because he was able to see the grace in other people's lives. And when we look at someone else, do you first see something that is amiss? Do you first see error? Do you first see something that is lacking? Or do you see God's grace in their lives? Because it's important. Because if we don't start with thanksgiving, how can we even move on? And let me tell you something, and you should know from experience, we should all know when we don't have thanksgiving in our lives, when we don't start our day off even with thanksgiving, you start off your day with gripe and bitterness and groaning, the whole day is dark. In fact, I would go even further to say, without thanksgiving, your life is paralyzed. And you cannot move. You can't do anything. So Paul, knowing this, starts off this prayer for the Ephesians with thanksgiving because he is able to see that there is God's grace in the church's life. There is God's grace in Pilgrim. Are you able to see it? Do you see God pouring out his grace in this church do you see that God loves this church so much that even though we didn't deserve any of it, that he has given us so much? Do you see it? Because he has. And he has poured out his grace upon this church. He has poured out his grace upon your life. Look at your life. And if you see it from God's eyes, you will see that there is grace upon grace in your life. Even now, as you sit and listen to the word, there is grace in your life because you're able to hear things that no one else can hear because God opened those ears. You're able to see things that people can't see normally because God opened those eyes. And God's grace is on your life. So are you thankful? And when you look to the person to your left and to your right, to the people in front of you, behind you, do you see that God's grace is upon their life as well? And so I praise God and I thank God for all of us, for all of you, for all that you bring. We should start off any prayer with thanksgiving. Verse 17 is kind of like the main point, and um, I don't want us to miss this, but I'm just going to kind of dab it for us, and then we're going to move on to the other points, because I'll, I'll revisit this. But verse 17 is about praying. He's praying. What is he praying about? He's praying that we would know 
Jesus better and better and better. In your life, as you pray, do you see that you are getting to know Jesus better and better and better? Why is this so important? Because we can say, we can say, oh, do you know Jesus? We can say we know him. But then if we don't start knowing him better and better, our actions are still the same. One of the biggest things in our time, in this day and age, is we say we know Jesus. But when it comes to money, we cannot tithe. We say we know Jesus. When it comes to sex, we cannot hold off until covenant marriage. We say we know Jesus. When it comes to time, there's very limited time for Jesus. Why do you think that is? Isn't it because we can claim to know Jesus, but we don't know him better and better and better. So our priorities are, Jesus was here. I kind of know him a little, but then I have all these other things piling up in my life. So I got to put them, put these things as priority in my life. So where does Jesus end up in our lives? He still ends up down there. When I was in youth group and I went to a retreat, I was blessed at one time in 1990 or whenever you went to a youth retreat, right? Um, but I was blessed at one time, long time ago. And that's where he is still in your life. And you see all these other things in your life now. You have a family, you have a job, you have kids, you have work, you have all these things. And then you're just prioritizing all these things. And we say, we know Jesus, but look at our actions when it comes to money. Oh man, don't talk to me about money. You don't know how I live. You don't know how hard it is for me to pay bills. Pastor Eugene, you have no idea. Come talk to me about money. I'll show you my bills and how much I got paid and how I lived. What about sex? Seriously, come talk to me and see, see, see if there is a righteous way to live and you wait until covenant marriage so that you believe and you hold true that God will bless sex. Because guess what? Money is God's. It was all God's from the beginning and he gave it to us. And he said, you know what? Give back 10%. For whose sake? For his sake? Because he needs 10% and then the church won't survive? 99% of us don't tithe. The church has survived. Who is tithing for? And you realize God's doing this for our benefit. And when we tithe, he just gives us more. And then we realize like, oh, that we need to be good stewards of this. This money. And then what about sex? Now it's become rampant. We don't even know what's left and right and right and wrong. And we have no idea. There is no center. It's just if it feels good, fine. But then guess what? We don't feel good. And we get angry and we get bitter. I don't like what God is saying because I want to live the way I want to. But when we live the way we want to, we don't feel good anyway. And time. There's never enough time. Never enough time because it's always me time. Never enough time. That one hour we spend on Sunday, we're like, oh my gosh. That's so much time. So the point is, when we pray, guess what happens? We get to know Jesus better and better and better. So Paul is praying that for the Ephesians. And we need to start praying that for ourselves and for this church. 
The three points that I wanted to kind of talk about today comes from this prayer post verse 17. So from verse 18 to the rest. And last week was Arab. This week it's hip, H-I-P, like hip, hip, hooray. Not like this hip, because I thought that was lame. But hip, hip, hooray is definitely not lame. So when we say three cheers, like they did in the 70s or something, I don't know. Uh, we're going to go with hip. First one is hope. Second one is inheritance, and the third one is power. And you see, before we get to the hip hip hooray, before we celebrate, we have to know that we must go through Thanksgiving and we must go through knowing Jesus better. We can't just go to the hip right away. So let me say it again before we start cheering, before we start being happy, before we say, yay, let's celebrate, Pilgrim's awesome, we must go through Thanksgiving must go through knowing Jesus better and better and better. See, hope is about the past. It's seeing the past history as God sees it. See, when, in, when the Israelites were trying to go up and they saw Jericho, the 12 spies would go in and they all saw the same thing. No one was delusional. No one had a little you know, a little something, something before they went in. They were all alert and they saw the same thing. Except when they came out, Caleb, even though he saw the same land and the same people as the other spies, he saw it in the light of what God had promised. You see, God had called the Israelites to a hope. And you can think of some event in the past and you can think of this event in your past as hopeless. And honestly, sometimes we really do feel like it is. You don't have money. You don't have the relationship you want. You don't have time or materials. And in business, we call that, if it's in the past, we'll just call it a sunk cost and we'll try to move on. But here's reality. You can't move on on some things. You just can't. You have an ailment, diabetes. You can't just move on. It's not a sunk cost. You're going to die. But God, it says here, God calls us and he called us to a hope. And that changes everything. Because that we, now that we are a people that's called to a hope, we can sing songs of hope, even if it's not there yet. I will sing a song of hope. Because even though there are many toils and sufferings in this life, we know that glory is coming. And that brings us to inheritance, our present we see our present selves as God sees us. The riches of his glorious inheritance in his people. You see, God is calling us his inheritance. That's an incredible statement. Paul wants us to appreciate the value that's been placed on us. I kind of see it the way where our parents look at us. Or if you have a small child and I look at these parents looking at their small child, I can see it in their eyes, people that have babies, 
because I can read eyes. Or anyway, but I can see it in their eyes. When they look at their baby, they look at them, and they are essentially saying through their eyes, if I could grab this whole world and give it to you, I would. Like, that's how much they love their babies. If I could just, if I had the world in my hands, I'd just be like, here you go, you know? i just, but here's reality. We can't. We can't give them the world. We want to, but we can't give them the world. I think my parents tried. No, but they failed too, right? But we cannot give them the world. Why? Because we are sinful. We would take this pure desire of love and then we would go to the extreme of now. If you take this and you keep on going with it, we take it to the extreme where we don't mind stepping on other children. As long as my kid is on the top. You go to, you have a, a soccer team. And then if you're a parent and you see your kid on the bench, would you not rage for the parents? Did I send my kid to soccer team so he sits on the bench and warms it for the full three hours? Are you kidding me? You would go to that coach and you would rage. We want to get our kids to the top. It doesn't matter who else is on the bench. I want my kid to be up on that field. Because then if he's not there, then he'll be socially, like, just ostracized. He won't develop physically like the way you want him to. But isn't it really, if we look at it, don't we rage and don't we get angry? It's not just with people with kids. I'm talking about it's so much easier to relate it to to people that are single that can't marry the person they want or can't get the job they want, isn't it because we are weak and we cannot do it ourselves? But you see, when God sees us as his inheritance, you have to see the character and quality of God. Is he sinful? Would he step on anybody to get you up to the top? But if he's not, does he have the power to do it, to get you where he wants you to be? And that's why we must lift our children to God. We must lift our jobs and our marriages and all these things and we leave it to God because only he has, and that's the third point, power. And power is seeing the future as God sees it. See, hope is past, inheritance is present, present and power is the future and verses 19 to 23 and this is the longest set of verses in this passage Paul is describing God's power what can he not do didn't he raise Christ from the dead that means our worst enemy which is death and if you love somebody to the point of I have no more love to give because I love you so much would you want that person to die be like okay that person's dead it's gone it's fine you would not. That's our worst enemy. Because if we are a people that love, we do not want death for them. That is our worst enemy. And guess what God did? He raises Christ from the dead, the first fruits of the resurrection, and our most powerful enemy, death, was defeated when God raised Christ from the dead. He is above all other powers, all other dominion, all other rule, all other authority. He is God, and he can do it. He has the power, so we have hope. 
because we are his inheritance and there is nothing that God cannot do. That's why we can't say hip, hip, hooray, praise God. We can celebrate because God is a mighty God and he can do it and he has done it through Jesus Christ. This is why we want to know Jesus better and better the first fruits of the resurrection. That is why we must pray like Paul's praying. You know, a lot of times people would say, I, I do kind of want to pray. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. What do I say? I would say, start off with anything. Say, God, how are you? Oh, I don't know if you, if you have feelings. I'm not sure. You know, you start off with that, but I would even go further. Pray the prayer that God taught us to pray. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. You will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. And then we pray the prayer that God taught us to pray. Start with that. And then we start realizing it's not just simply about reciting words. And we see that in these words, there is this sort of power, this sort of revelation. Prayer then shows us and helps us to know the truths that God gives us. What are the promises God has given you? What are the promises God has given our church. He has given us a lot. And prayer opens it up. I just want to share one last thing uh, before we close the sermon. Um, and it's a story. And it has to do with prayer. And two young men they decided to work in a paper mill. We could call it Thunder Mifflin, I don't know, whatever it is. Um, they decided to work in a paper mill and one was the adopted son of the owner of this paper mill. And one was his really close friend. And when they started working, the owner decided to sit down with them. They, he gave them, both of them, the son and his friend, the business plan, the vision, the mission, this is what we're going to do. And then he said, come, I want to invite you. Come and talk to me anytime you want. Come and chat about whatever we're doing. Whenever you want, my door is always open to you. At first, both apprentices eagerly pops in chats with him anytime they want. They're like, wow, I can actually go to the owner of this company and chat with him whenever I want. And the son, and then after a while, the son and the friend would pop in, but after a while, the friend would stop going. And so the son asks his friend, hey, why don't you visit uh, dad's office anymore? And then he comes back to him, he says, there's no point. He ignores all my suggestions, and every time I ask for more vacation, he says no. 
I suppose he'd do whatever you want because you're his son. And then the son replies, whoa, there is no way I would ask for more vacation, first of all, because I'm new here. And he's been running the business forever. He knows what he's doing. I don't ask for more time off because I actually don't want to be treated differently from anyone else. I said, wait, so why do you go to his office so often then? Well, I ask for help for my job. I want to know that he has my support. Plus, I like being with him. He's my dad. And then his friend replied, well, that's probably because you're a son. And one day, you'll probably run the company. And the son responded, smiling, yes, perhaps you're right. Don't you see? God invites us into his office anytime. That's an incredible, incredible privilege. And when we go, we get to know him better and better. Become closer and closer. It's not about give me this, give me that. I want more vacation days, God. That's why I just want to know you, God. Because in the end, the son runs the business with his dad. We as God's children, all of us, we are part of God's inheritance. That's why when we say, let's spend some time in prayer, it's a huge deal. We get to step in where no one else can step in. And that's why, oh man, it's glorious. Prayer. And I hope that we can understand this and we see that God is even now, right this very moment, inviting us to spend time with him. And we could go to him and we say, Dad, I'm here, I just wanna spend time with you. Tell me about your day. Tell me about your plans. Tell me about yourself. And you see more and more in prayer, God reveals himself to you. God is the greatest get. There's nothing in this world that can compare with God. And he offers it when we pray. Don't you see the value in prayer? It's incredible. What else can compare? So let's spend some time. Pilgrim Church, let's spend some time in prayer. Let's pray. God, we just want to thank you that we have been invited into your presence. Lord God, what an incredible privilege and honor it is. And so as we come into your presence, help us to know you more, better and better and better. God, Reveal yourself to us, and I pray that you would reveal yourself to this church, that we would be a church that loves you, God, and knows you better and better and better.
Jesus' name I pray. as we respond with this song. This is the
just want to remind you before we pray and close that uh, we do have a congregational meeting right after the service. It's going to be about 10 minutes, so we do ask that you stay and participate. Now please remain standing as we receive the charge and the prayer. Lord God, we thank you. We thank you so much. Gathered, we have hope restored, an inheritance revealed, and power given. Scattered, we want to be a people that constantly remain in you through prayer. God, may we be a people of prayer in Jesus. Amen.